Thursday Such a crazy, lazy day Thursday has its own peculiar way Of saying hey Sometimes Thursday almost Makes you want to run away Well, it is raining in the Midwest. It is raining in St. Louis, let me tell you. We're going to get rain for the next couple of days, but uh, it's okay. It's okay. What is they? April showers bring spring flowers. Thing is, it uh, isn't April yet, but it's starting to feel like uh, springtime storms because we're getting the idea that there's going to be some wind and some thunder and lightning and all that stuff, but that's okay. Chester, you're looking good this morning. You made it in through the rain. Yeah, yeah, the traffic wasn't, well, it's so early when we get here. Yeah. Anyway, this is Bob Bro. Welcome to the best old-time radio podcast for Thursday, March the 11th, 2021. And on Thursdays, we play a Western, and that's exactly what we're going to do today. So, time for you to settle down. Let the cares of the day drift away, get your feet up, make yourself comfortable, get a little snack, a little something to drink, and just chill, (laughs) because we're coming right back at you with this week's Old Time Radio Western. Thursday's got its own peculiar way of staying Sometimes Thursday makes you want to run away. for our Gunsmoke episode. This is a good one tonight. This one talks uh, a little bit about prejudice and the uh, attitude people had toward Native Americans or Indians back in the uh, 1860s, 1870s. This show originally was broadcast on January the 22nd, 1955. It was um, recorded, it would appear, on January the 8th, 1955. That was the pre-cut recording. 
This is entitled The Sins of Our Father. This one was written by John Meston. Most of these in the 50s, early 50s were, or I guess this was the mid-50s already. This one, of course, features William Conrad, uh, Parley Bear, Georgia Ellis, and Howard McNear. Harry Bartell plays Dobie. Lawrence Dopkin plays Dan. Lillian Biaf plays Rose. Clayton Post plays Roden. And Joe Duvall plays Jonas. It's a good one. Here it comes from January 22nd, 1955. The Sins of Our Fathers. Excuse me, The Sins of the Fathers on Gunsmoke. There's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun smoke, starring William Conrad. Transcribed story of the violence that moved west with young America. And the story of a man who moved with it. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet. It's a chancy job. And it makes a man watchful. And a little lonely. Morning, Doc. Chester. Uh, hello, Matt. Hey, we've been waiting for you, Mr. Dillon. Oh, is there something wrong? Yes, sir, it's Mr. Doby. He's at the desk in the hotel there. He's real upset about something. He wants to see you. All right. Uh, you both wait here for me. I'll be right out. Yes, sir. All right. Marshal Dillon, I've sure been wanting to see you. Oh, what's the trouble, Mr. Dobie? You got a riot in here or something? There'll be a riot if you don't get them people out of here, Marshal. What people? The Daggetts, that's who. Well, who are the Daggetts? Big Dan Daggett, he calls himself. And he is big, too, Marshal. I never heard of him. He's only been in Dodge since yesterday. He's one of them mountain men from on west. He's a hunter or something. One of them real hairy fellas. Shouldn't be allowed around other white men. Oh, why not? What's he doing? He's sitting in my hotel. I let him in before he told me. 
Before he told you what? It's better you see for yourself, Marshal. Room's right at the top of the stairs there. Well, okay, Dobie, let's go. It's true, ain't it, Marshal, that I don't have to let nobody stay in my hotel I don't want. I guess so, if you got a good reason. <laughs> I got plenty of reasons. Three men have moved out already. And that sounds to me like he must have a box of rattlesnakes with him or something. Worse than that. This is room here. Uh, this is a double room, isn't it? He needs it. He needs a whole doggone prairie. And that's where he's going. Now you tell him, Marshal. Hello? I got the U.S. Marshal with me this time, Daggett. Oh, I'm Marshal Dillon, Daggett. Doby wanted me to come over here and meet you. Come on in. Well, you were right about his being big, Doby. Man can't help being big. Uh, it's no offense. It's all right. There have been times I wished I was smaller. Not that I can't move as fast as any man. I'm easier to see is the only bad part. Tell me, Daggett, what's the trouble between you and Doby here? It ain't my trouble, Marshal. All right, Doby, I guess you better explain. There's nothing wrong here that I can see. It ain't him. It's his wife. What? You don't like my wife because she's an Indian, Marshal. That's a lie. What I care if she's an Indian? I don't understand. Where is she, Daggett? In another room. We'll bring her in here. Doby, you know what I could do to you with the fingers of this one hand? Just the fingers. Don't forget, I got the marshal with me. I use the other hand on him. He starts ordering me around, too. Now, wait a minute. This kind of talk isn't doing any good. You're probably pretty good with that gun, Marshal. But I've killed Mountain Lion with this knife. I ain't afraid of anything alive and not many ghosts. <laughs> ghosts? You even talk like a savage. All right, that's enough, Toby. Daggett, I didn't come here for a fight. I came to see what all the trouble's about. Now, if it's something that has to do with your wife, tell me. It has to do with Doby, not with my wife. That's a lie. Dan? There she is. Look, Marshal. If it is me they are talking about, Dan, why didn't you call me? It's nothing to do with you. He was trying to order me around. At least he was Doby there. I only told you to get her in here so the Marshal could see her. Well, now he's seen her. Now, what's all the fuss about? You're playing dumb, ain't you, Daggett? Wait a minute. I don't think he is. Tell me something. Where did you and Ms. Daggett meet? Near Denver? Near Denver? Well, I'm a mountain man, Marshal. Never been on the prairie before. Now, what were you doing near Denver, Ms. Daggett? I was sent there four years ago to complete my education. My father was a chief, Marshal. A chief? What chief? His name was Yellow Horse. Yellow Horse? That's worse. That's the worst yet. I don't understand either of you men. What are you talking about? Well, Doby could tell that your wife was a Kiowa by the way she dressed. Well, she got to come from some tribe, don't she? Yeah, but being the daughter of Yellow Horse makes it even worse. Why? Two years ago, the Kiowas killed some 18 settlers on raids through the country near here. Yellow Horse led them until he was killed. You never told me that. Is that true? I only heard my father was dead. They told me nothing else. 
Well, what difference does it make, anyway? You wasn't on them raids. The feeling's still high against Kiowas around here, Daggett, but you're right. She had nothing to do with them. A Kiowas, a Kiowa, and we won't stand for him and die. Oh, don't be a fool, Dobby. How can you blame her for what somebody else did? I blame that whole tribe, and especially her father. And I won't stand for her being here. She's probably as murdering as he was. Dobby. All right, hold it, Daggett. I, uh, I'd like to apologize to Ms. Daggett for bothering her. Apologize? Let's get out of here, Dobie. Now. No. You come here to throw him out, and you're going to do it. Dobie, I guess I'm a little like Dan Daggett here. I don't like taking orders very well either. All right, Marshal. If the law won't help me... The law won't help you. And don't you try anything else. Now, come on, we're getting out of here. Dillon? Yeah, what is it, Justin? Well, uh, would you mind stopping in Mr. Jones' store here? It, it won't take but a minute or two. Oh? Uh-huh. You're going to spend your betting money on clothes again? Oh, no, sir. I mean, well, you see, Mr. Dillon, I, I need a little string tie. Uh, for Sundays, kind of. Oh. They don't cost more than a quarter. <laughs> All right, in that case, I'll go with you. There's Miss Kitty. Hi, Miss Kitty. Hello, Chester. The, the ties is hanging back over there, Mr. Dillon. I, I won't be long. All right, Chester. Well, you're as bad as Chester, Kitty. <laughs> always buying clothes. As Chester? Matt, if Chester's always buying clothes, how come ever since I've known him, he's worn that same pair of striped pants? <laughs> well, he's careful with them, I guess. <laughs> he never gets them torn. <laughs> You'd have to go to bed if he ever did. <laughs> Where's Mr. Jonas? Uh, out back. He's showing Dan Daggett and his wife something. Oh, are they here? Sure. He introduced me to him. Big Dan Daggett. Like you said last night, Matt, he earned the name. He's a buffalo, that man. <laughs> yeah, he sure is. His wife's name's Rose. Said you couldn't pronounce it in Indian, so he made it English. She's a beautiful little thing. Ah, she's prettier than most women around here. Thanks. Uh, oh, no, no, Kitty. No. I, I... You're right. She really is. I guess Dan Daggett can't be all brute or a girl like that would never have married him. Yeah, it's too bad Dobie over at the Dodge House can't see it your way, Kitty. No, Dobie's just not thinking very straight. Where's Jonas? Oh, he's out back, Rodin. Oh, hello, Marshal. I didn't recognize you. Oh, here he comes. How do you like it, Rose? Who's that, Matt? His name's Roden. He works over at one of the stables. Oh, that explains why he's too poor ever to come into the Long Branch. Jonas! (laughs) Hey, Jonas! I'll be right with you, Roden. Well, I'm in a hurry. Won't be but a minute. I ain't waiting while you sell beads to her. Hey, wait a minute. What's she doing in here, anyway? Uh, you stay here, Kitty. Yeah. She's got as much right to be here as you have, Rodin. A Kiowa woman? You gone crazy? Well, no. Then throw her out of here, or I will. The woman is my wife, mister. Your wife? Your wife? You'll have to throw me out, too. What? Now, now look here. I, I didn't mean nothing. If you don't mean nothing, then don't talk. Sure, sure. 
What do I care? It's your business. I don't care. And even if you do care, you shouldn't say nothing about it out loud. I ain't saying nothing. I gotta go now. I gotta go. Well, it looks like you handle that pretty well, Daggett. Can't fight every man in the world. No, I guess you can't. And I don't aim to. Long as they don't push me too far. Uh, is, uh, Dobie leaving you alone? Oh, he's doing a lot of talking around. He's trying to stir up trouble. But before it comes, we'll probably be gone. Back to Colorado in the mountains. Oh. But Marshal... Uh, yeah. Uh, you come and see us sometime in the next day or so. Rose would kind of like that. Well, thank you, Daggett. It'll be a pleasure. <laughs> Where's Doc at this morning, Mr. Dillon? I've been up to his office twice, and he ain't there. Well, he was called out to the Duke place last night, Chester. Oh, somebody sick? <laughs> well, Doc doesn't get many social calls, you know. I was calling on him social. Oh? Uh-huh. Oh, well, he'll appreciate that, I'm sure. Well, <laughs> I think I'll go up to the Dodge house and make a call on Jim Doby. Mm. More trouble, Mr. Dillon? Well, there will be if somebody doesn't stop him. He's been talking to everybody who'll listen about Rose Daggett being the Yellow Horse's daughter. How they ought to run her out of town. It's like he's looking for help, ain't it? Yeah. You ought to know better than that, a man like Doby. Well, that's what I'm going to try to explain to him, Chester. Marshal. Ah, uh, hello, Daggett. Marshal. Uh, I'm kind of worried. Why, what's the matter? It's Rose. I can't find her nowhere. You can't find her? No. Well, maybe you and Chester will help look for her. I've been everywhere. Of course we'll help you. Now, where did you see her last? Oh, right in our room. Let me tell you. I woke up real early. Couldn't get back to sleep. I didn't want to bother Rose, so I, I got dressed. I went out in the street and I walked around... I wasn't gone more than one hour, Marshal. Shouldn't never have left her. Well, did you ask him at the hotel? Did anybody see her leave? Well, there wasn't nobody at the hotel. Not when I went out, not when I come back. Nobody could have seen her. Well, where could she have gone to that hour in the morning? She wouldn't have gone nowhere, Chester, not Rose. What I can't understand. Well, all right, let's start looking for her. Oh, come on. Uh, I guess we'll start with a hotel. Sure do want to thank you for this, Marshal. You too, Chester. Oh, uh, we'll find her, don't you worry. Hey, Yeah, sure is. Look, he's got somebody with him. That's Rose. That's Rose in that buggy. Rose? Rose, what are you doing there? Hello, Dan. Well, get down. Here, I'll take you. You... You'll have to carry me, Dan. Where you been? 
What happened to your feet? Uh, Chester. What, Doc? Do me a favor. Take this buggy, will you? Sure, will. Uh, let me get down here. Uh, and you. You must be Daggett. Yeah. Uh, take Rose into the marshal's office. She shouldn't be on the street out here. We'll go. Hmm. She told me about her husband, Matt, but she didn't tell me that he was that big. Come on, let's follow him. Yeah. Tell me, Doc, uh, what was Rose doing with you? I found her out in the prairie, about ten miles east of here. Well, what was she doing out there? Uh, I'll let her tell you that. Just you stay and sit right there, Rose. I'm all right there. Oh, Doctor, this is my husband, Dan. Well, I kind of gathered that, Rose. Glad to know you, Dan. Yeah. Good thing you come along, Doc. You feel up to telling the whole story, Rose? Mm-hmm. I expect the marshal here will be interested, too. Yes, all right. Ah, good. And then I want you to come up to my office with me. Yes, Doctor. Has she been hurt, Doc? Go ahead, Rose. Tell me. Well, early this morning, I... I woke up when somebody tied a bandana over my face. Never should have left you alone. Oh, that is foolish talk, Dan. It was not your fault. Go on, Rose. Well, it was two men. They never said a word the whole time. They never talked once. But they carried me out the back way. And then they tied me onto a horse and led it way out into the prairie. They finally stopped and took me off and untied me. And then they took my shoes away. And they rode off. Finally got the blindfold off. And I... I walked and walked... Till I saw the doctor's buggy coming. I could not have walked much farther. Rose. Rose? Now, wait a minute, Dan. Rose, you never saw these men. No. And you never heard their voices. No, but... But I heard them walk... Everybody has a different walk. Or did you recognize either of them from hearing them walk? No. It was not Dobie or that man in the store. We'll find them, Rose. We'll sit on the street and we'll listen until we find them. When we do, I'll cut them. I'll cut them awful before I kill them. Now, Daggett, you let Rose find them if she can, and then I'll take them. They're mine, Marshal. They're just as much mine as Rose is mine. I wouldn't let nobody else in the world touch them but me. That'd be murder. Is that what you call it? Rose, Doc wants you in his office. You go along now. And then we'll start listening. It's as good a way to hunt as any. For the next few days, the Daggetts took up their post on the boardwalk halfway down Front Street. Rose had sit there for hours, her head down, her eyes half-closed, listening to the footsteps of hundreds of men as they passed. And Daggett would stand at her side, his bowie knife in his belt, waiting with animal patience for a sign from his wife. But it didn't come. And I began to hope that for his sake, the kidnappers had left the country and nothing had happened. And then the morning of the third day, Chester and I were loafing around on the porch of the general store. 
Yeah. Where's the Daggett's this morning, Mr. Dillon? They ain't over there where they usually are. Well, I guess they haven't started yet, Chester. I swear every man in Dodge must have walked past there by now. All but two, maybe. Mm. Morning, Marshal. Chester. Hello, Mr. Doby. Doby. I'm looking for the Daggett's, Marshal. You seen them? No, I haven't, Doby. But Dan Daggett isn't taking things as easy as he was. If I were you, I'd stop looking right now. Doc told me what happened, Marshal. Doc did, huh? Well, he knew nobody else would, so he took it on himself. What for? For my own good, the way he put it. Well, did it do you any good? Made me mad. Mad at myself, mostly. Marshal, I... I've been a fool. Hey, Mr. Dillon, there's Rose now. In, in the street there. She's got a shotgun. Hey, what's she doing? Looks like she's following those two men. Well, she sure is. Come on. She stopped him. She's got him turned around. But... See, she's going to shoot him. Oh, they ain't making any move. How do you know it was us? What if it was? I guess you ain't learned nothing. Maybe we'll have to do it again. Don't shoot, Rose. I'll take him. shotgun rose. It is empty, Marshal. Why did you do it? I'd have arrested them. Dan would have found a way to kill them, even if you had. They're dead, Mr. Dillon. Both of them. Who are they, Chester? I never saw them before in my life. A couple of strangers, I guess. Rose! I'll go get somebody to give me a hand. Rose! Was that them? Why didn't you tell me? What'd you run away for? Why'd you kill them? They are the ones, Dan. How'd you know? Where did you spot them? They walked past our table while we were eating breakfast. And you said you was going up to our room. I did go. Long enough to get the shotgun. Why didn't you tell me? Why'd you have to kill them? I could not see you hang for what happened to me, Dan. I'd have gladly hung for it. Anything's better than your going to jail. I will not mind, Dan. It'll kill you. I won't let it happen. It ain't right. Don't try to take her, Marshal. Don't you try. I know how you feel, Daggett. But I've got to arrest her. Rosa's got to stand trial. What'll they do to her? Well, I don't think there's a judge in Kansas who'd convict Rose for what she did under the circumstances. Marshal Dillon. Yes, what, Doby? I got to say something, Marshal. All right, say it. Them two men she killed. I just looked at them, and I, I don't know who they are. But I've seen them. So? I seen them the other day when I was talking the way I was. They heard me. They was listening. Go ahead. Well, I, I, I just had to tell you that. I I don't feel very proud. You're the one that ought to go to jail, Dobie. That's what I'm trying to tell you, Marshal. It's mostly my fault. 
what happened to her and this killing and all. Well, you've learned something now, anyway. Only there's nothing I can do about it. Too late, I, I feel like hiding. Mr. Doby. Yes, ma'am. Would you walk back to the hotel with me and my husband? Thank you. I'd be proud to. and directed by Norman McDonald stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Our story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Sound patterns by Tom Hanley and Ray Kemper. Featured in the cast were Lawrence Dobkin, Harry Bartell, Lillian Bayef, Clayton Post, and Joe Duval. Harley Bear is Chester, Howard McNear is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Listen to Chesterfield's two great radio shows every week. The Perry Como Show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And Dragnet, Tuesday nights on another network. Remember, listen again next week for another transcribed story of the Western Frontier when Marshal Matt Dillon, Chester Proudfoot, Doc, and Kitty, together with all the other hard-living citizens of Dodge, will be with you once more. It's America growing west in the 1870s. It's drama. It's gun smoke. Brought to you by L&M Filter. This is the CBS Radio Network. From January the 22nd, 1955, that was Sins of the Fathers on Gunsmoke. Boy, William Conrad had a great voice, didn't he? That's a great, deep voice. Like most radio actors with great voices, Conrad did what he did instinctively, according, again, to Leonard Moulton. Of his booming voice, he said, there was always a danger thing in my voice. Now, I don't know how that got there, but I covered everything with a black drape. I never took a drama lesson in my life. I never even thought about what it is to be an actor. All I thought about was the money that it was possible to make. Maybe. And it turned out to be possible. I was just blank lucky to have a voice that fascinated people. Conrad and Bear co-starred in the, that's Parley Bear, of course, co-starred in the long-running Gunsmoke series in the 50s. And with their fellow actors who represented the cream of the Hollywood talent pool, they created unusually rich radio drama. One of the hallmarks of the show was its sense of quiet of underplaying, says Parley Bear of the Old West setting. It was a time of shooting and fighting. People lose sight of the fact that in those times, quiet was their safety, really, because even the rustle of clothing could be detected 
in the Quiet Prairie by Sharp Ears. That was one of the things that I think we tried to portray, that it was a time of underplay. I think maybe we overdid it at times, because it was a technique that sure worked. Amen, brother. just like that, that's going to wrap things up for Thursday, March the 11th, 2021, and it's going to wrap things up for the week. We'll be back this weekend with an archive show, and of course, we'll be back on uh, Monday with an old-time radio comedy, on Tuesday a drama, on Wednesday a mystery, and on Thursday uh, another western. By the way, you can go into our website, bestoldtimeradio.com. And you can listen to any of the shows that we have played. I guess we've got almost uh, six or seven months of shows on there now since we've been been doing the daily podcast. BestOldTimeRadio.com And we'd be glad to have you over there. We are going to go out tonight with a little Dean Martin. This is a song that uh, was popular, I guess, in the 60s. And they made a movie and used this song as the title. And it's one of my all-time favorite movies. You know how you have those movies that anytime it's on, you want to just stop and watch it, even if you saw it a month ago? It's called Return to Me, and it's, uh, it was the last movie that Carol O'Connor did, and he is spectacular in it. Robert Loge is in it, David Duchovny, Minnie Driver, uh, Jim Bellucci, and Bonnie Franklin. And Bonnie Franklin wrote it along with some others and directed it. Of course, it takes place in Chicago because she's a Chicago girl. And it is just a wonderful film. It takes a very serious subject and uh, presents it in a very human way. And instead of taking the typical plot twists that a movie like this normally would take it treats the entire subject very honestly and you'll just love it you'll just love it so get a chance watch it all right everybody this is bomb bro i'm so glad you stopped by and i am so glad you met me Please.
Solo tu, solo tu, mio cuore. 